So today I'm going to talk about money. It's Harvest Thanksgiving. We have the readings about the first fruits and how the great bounty of all that God has given to the Israelites, and so they take the first and the best of the harvest and they offer it to God on the mountaintop shrine, and the first and best of the harvest is then shared with the clergy, the Levites, and the aliens, those who are among them, so that they all feast together in the celebration of all that God has done to them. And so this, all the readings lead to a stewardship sermon, so that's what you're going to get. Now, you here, um, I've been here a long time, so most of you here haven't heard any stewardship sermons other than the, the few that I have done over the years. And um, I've not banged the pulpit much about money uh, over the many years that I've been here, um, partly in reaction to the kind of pulpit banging about money that I received when I was a young person. Um, when I was a teenager, I got heavily involved in the church, and I really embraced the Christian faith and the Anglican church in particular as my faith tradition. And so we had conversations around tithing back in the day. And um, I remember my bishop at the time drove around town with a bumper sticker on his car that said, if you love Jesus, tithe, anyone can honk. <laughs> and there was part of me that went, yeah. <laughs> And so there was a part of me that, that, that rose to that challenge, you know, that tithing actually hurts. It, it means that you're given money that you could spend on yourself and you're actually giving it away to the church or to something else. Um, and so there's a, there's a sense that um, grace shouldn't be cheap and, and, and it's easy, you know, might as well have well-meaning tweets if all we're about is good intentions. That at some point our intentions have to turn into something a little bit more concrete, a little bit more real. And, um, and, and so we have that conversation around what gets given back to God out of all that was given to us. And certainly in my conversations as a young person, we had conversations about money, but we had also conversations about time and about talent. And so you get the three T's of the, th the stewardship sermon, treasure, time, and talent. And the usual message of those sermons was that 10% of each category needs to go to God. And it's only 10% that God wants. You can keep 90% to yourself. And so 10% of your treasure and 10% of your time and 10% of your talent is all God wants. And so that, I heard that sermon. I also heard discussions around the word tithe. Does it really mean 10%? Well, so when I was a kid, we had conversations around the modern tithe or the Anglican tithe, 5%. <laughs> Because, you know, 10 is hard, so 5 is, is more modern. And the conversation around that was, well, you know, back in the day when the 10% tithe, the Old Testament, there was no social safety net. There was no big government. It was a tribal society. If you wanted to build a gate, the elders of the villages said, all right, everybody get up. We're building a gate. So you built a gate. And so there was no regular taxation. And we live in a complex modern society with taxation rates that go into various percentages. And so we were already giving to the government to support much of what a tithe used to support. And so it's not really 10% anymore, it's some other percentage. And when you add it all up, it's way more than 10%. Um, and so you get the modern tithe of 5% or the Anglican tithe of 5% and so forth. Um, and then that leads into conversations around, well, is it 10% of gross or of net? <laughs> right? And the hardcores say gross, yes. And the, the softies and the Anglicans go net. 
And so you have this conversation about how much do you owe to God. And the problem where I've come to now and why you haven't heard much about it is that I can't get on board with some of the fundamental presuppositions of that conversation because it's based on an, a relationship with God which is like our relationship to the Canadian Revenue Agency, which is how little do I have to pay before I get into trouble? That's my relationship with the tax man, right? And so, yeah, I'll look for the, the, the deductions and the exceptions and the ways to, you know, I mean, I, in law school, my expertise, my field was tax law, which is a whole industry devoted to saying, well, if you put your money here, you don't have to pay tax on it. And you do the same thing. So you pay me a lot of money, and I will tell your corporation how to set up a trust and another corporation, another corporation over here, and look at that, you're paying 10% of the taxes that you would have paid if you just had it in your own pockets. So that's... That's legitimate. I have, I'm not slamming tax lawyers. It's a respectable profession. Sort of. I'll go that far. It's a, it's a relatively respectable profession. <laughs> and, and it's fine. It's part of the society that we live in. There are the rules. We play by the rules. And it's a bit of a game. And it's okay to play the game. I'm actually okay with that. Totally okay to play, play the game. And so if the tax code gives you rules that you can use in a way that's advantageous, by all means, use them. And I use them in church because I say if you want to give money to the church, there are ways you can do that which will save you taxes and allow you to be more generous. And so we've got a person standing by to help you to do that if you would like to do that. So I have no problem playing the game. But that's my relationship with the CRA. That's not my relationship with my maker. When I come to the pearly gates, I don't want to stand there saying, I did exactly what you told me to do, and you can't ask me any more than that. Because my problem is I'm a Christian, and I look at Jesus, and I think that Christians should be like Jesus, and Jesus didn't give 10%. So I can't escape that bigger challenge, never mind gross or net or modern or whatever. Jesus gave everything. And my understanding of what we owe to God is everything. And so this idea that God only wants 10% and you get to keep 90 is, a, is still based on this relationship of what can I get away with without getting into trouble. Whereas if I am in love with God and I want to be with God and I want to be the creature that God made me to be, then I want to be like Jesus, which is a person who is generous, just has that 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 capacity and that character. And the percentage doesn't matter. And so 10% is a useful percentage to be part of this conversation. And I, I, and I don't think the modern tithe, blah, blah, blah. I think for me personally, 10% a net is my goal for my financial giving. That's it. Because it's a useful benchmark, but I'm not, I'm not sold on it. I'm not gonna say to you that 10% should be your figure or else you're a bad person and God will be mad at you when you die. That's, that's, that's not it. It's a useful rule of thumb for me to assess whether I'm being as generous as I can be. But really, the, the, question, the conversation goes a lot deeper for me. And I have family stories about my personal growth in stewardship in my own life. And it has to do with my attitude towards money in the first place. Sure, the three T's, time, talent, and treasure, I can talk about talent, I can talk about time, that's easy. It's the money where I start to go, well, I don't know, right? So it's the conversation around money that is the most fraught. And it's the most fraught for me because of the family in which I grew up, which is very, very English. And in English families, money is like something that happens in a bathroom. Everybody does it, 
but you don't talk about it, and it's a little dirty. So you keep it private, right? And when I went to Pentecostal churches on a visit and I saw the board on the wall that said our top giver this month is so-and-so who gave this much, and number two slot was this person, and woo-woo, who's going to win the ladder this month? I went, that is so gross and dirty, I hate it. Because I'm English, I'm so English. Just it's private. What you do is you do your thing and I do my thing and we don't talk about it. And so that, that, of course, is a cultural barrier for me as a Christian clergy to talk about generosity to the church because it's kind of, well, it's up to you and I don't want to get into you and I don't want to guilt trip you, blah, 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 blah. But if I'm being honest about what I live with and share, with, share that with you, I live with this notion of generosity and this notion of tithing and this notion of giving back to God out of the bounty that has been given to me. And I had to get a little bit more comfortable with money and with generosity in order to do that. And I had to unlearn the, the, the cultural baggage that I received from my family. And, and um, I'm sorry to do this to my dear wife, but I married a Ukrainian. And they are not the same as us when it comes to money. Yeah, you can cheer. You can wave your Ukrainian flag, dear. That's fine. You, I, I married, so, so I got to know her family, and so I was the boyfriend. I was being introduced to the grandparents, Baba and Guido. And they're both gone now, very fond of them, lovely people, real pioneer Canadians, immigrated here from the Ukraine, worked seven years to raise enough money to bring his wife over, had the first baby on a boxcar, Great stories, right? Built just railroad working class people and helped build this country. And so there they are, these two little old people, and they met the boyfriend. And they were all very excited because I was going to be a minister and this is a big deal. And so, hello, Guido. Hello, Chris. And then he threw a $100 bill into my hand. And I went, you don't, you don't need to give me anything. I'm just happy to meet you. You cannot refuse. <laughs> okay. So I took the $100 bill and I put it in my pocket, feeling really weird about the whole thing. And that was my introduction to a Ukrainian attitude to money. These are immigrants that came to this country and the $100 that they could give was a sign of their prosperity. They had been blessed by their life in this country and they wanted to share that blessing with me and I was not entitled to refuse it because to refuse that blessing was to refuse the welcome into the family. So they were welcoming me into the family and they were giving me money as a sign of that welcome and that generosity and that new family relationship. And it was profound and it was about relationship and it was about generosity. And it carried on through our family life when our kids were little and money was really, really tight. The Ukrainians came through. You want a little help with your car? We'll give you a little help with your car. You need some help getting started? We have been the beneficiaries of such largesse from our working Ukrainian family. They have taught me more about generosity than I have ever known before. And I want to be like them when I grow up. <laughs> right? So that I don't have to count the pennies and say, is it 10%? Well, I made exactly this much, so 10% of that is this, and therefore that's how much I can give and then I won't be in trouble. It's, it's I have so much, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to be able to give, you know? Hey, you need a little something? Here's a little something. I'm so happy. Of course I can live without it. I'm fine. I have so much blessing in my life. It's embarrassing how blessed I am. And so I don't even want to be able to think about it. So I don't know what percentage we give. 10% is our benchmark. We kind of have that in the back of our minds. But we just give. 
and we give a certain amount to the church and we give a certain amount to God's work in the world that is not the church and all of it is part of what we give back to God out of all the, that has been given to us. And it's sometimes it's just informal stuff where there are people that we know that need a little help and so we give them a little help. And that for me is tithing. That for me is my best attempt at living into that story from the Old Testament where the Jews recall all that God has done to them and give to God a portion of the bounty that they enjoy. So it's okay to enjoy the bounty that God has given us. Yesterday was an orgy of consumerism. Our boy is home and so we went around Kelowna and we drank beer and tasted wine and went out for supper and it was great. And and, and I made him laugh because, of course, we were in the restaurant having a wonderful pizza. So he said grace in the restaurant, and I, and I make up graces. So I just said, thank you, God, for money, because the money allowed us to do all that, and it was great. And, of course, my son laughed because he thought, that's a real Christian grace there, Dad. Thanks for money. But it's true. I'm not saying, God, give me money. I'm saying thank you for the blessings that we have. Thank you for the ability to do this for a special occasion and not even worry about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to go home and go, ah, look at all that. So that ability to be generous, to celebrate, is part and parcel of the whole thing. And it, it feeds back so that I am the one who is more blessed. The more generous I am, the more I am living in this paradigm of abundance. The, the more my mindset is focused on all the things that I have, not all the things that I lack. And you can have the world and still be focused on the things that you don't have, and you can be in deeper poverty as a result, no matter what your income is, and no matter how much you spend on yourself. So it is for my own good that I am generous. It is for my own good that I make a discipline of giving to those that need my support. And it's also for my own good that I support the work of God through the church. So here's the, here's the ask. If you think God is at work here, then that can only happen through you. That, that what all the staff clergy and the staff support here do can't happen without money. The building can't happen without money. And we get very little, it, we get nothing from the government, but we get some tax relief. So depending on how you argue about that, there's some government support, but it's not much. Every real dollar or cent that comes here comes out of our pockets. And so if you believe that God is at work in this place, then be a part of it. Be generous. Help us to be the, 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 the light to the world that we are called to be, the community that shows to the world what we were meant to be as human beings. Because I think we do that. I, I think that in some ways we're, we're one of Vernon's best kept secrets. We've sat here for many, many years, and those in the know know. You talk to anybody in the social services agencies, and they know about All Saints. You talk to anybody that works with the street people, they know about All Saints. Um, not many others do, though. Uh, when, I, when I shop, they go, isn't that your church with all the scaffolding? <laughs> right? That's, that's the conversation. Yes, that's my church with all the scaffolding. That's all they know, is that we have scaffolding. <laughs> right? Why don't they know about the other stuff? Right? And, and if we ceased to be, who would notice? And I submit that the least of us would notice the most. So we are the people of God in this place. And you make that happen. And so the more that, that you're able to fulfill that in your own life, the more we will flourish and the more we will help our community to flourish. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.